Hello, and welcome to the Bitcoin.Review podcast. This is an ad-free pod. Thank you so much for streaming those ads. Hello, and welcome back to the list episode. I think we're episode 16. We have uh, an awesome all-star here panel to help me read the news. And uh, I guess I'll start with a little housekeeping here. There is a Breeze integration for Sats Card Bounty, and I think it's 5 million Sats. Um, and uh, the folks at Breeze are managing it. So uh, if you're interested in, in making a few Sats, uh, go check that out. Now, on to the panel. I have with me today uh, Mr. Levera. Hey, thanks for having me back. Mr. Wiz. Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me on the show. And uh, all-star Michael Folson. Howdy. <laughs> so guys, we have quite a long list today here. I guess, uh, why don't we get right on to it? So uh, Tor Browser version 12.0, Firefox extended support release, multi-locale support for desktop, native app, Apple Silicon support, HPS only, by default on Android, prioritize.in and addresses for for Android. Do you guys uh, have any comments about that one? Not really. It's just nice to have, I think, his M2 support now. What's the latest on Tor? Is, 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 it, is it recovered from its DOS issues? I only use it on and off, but it was had a lot of DOS attacks recently, didn't it? I don't know. I am too cheap to use a VPN, so I just use Tor for almost everything, <laughs> except when I'm doing video recordings. Yeah, I just I just have uh, Tor set up as, as the, the proxy for pretty much everything. <laughs> so it's nice. It's not too bad. It kind of goes on and off with the with the DDoSing. It's pretty bad. Uh, Come on. <laughs> yeah, but you know it works. I mean, it just takes longer. That, sometimes, if you're lucky. You know, it reminds me of trying to see adult pictures uh, back in the BBS days where it loads <laughs> pixel line by pixel line, you know? It just takes a little longer. It's, it's a trade-off, right? You gain some privacy and some censorship resistance, but it's completely unreliable for anything important. And That's true. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> BTC Pay Server 1.7.1 API for creating invoice refund, add metadata for invoice webhook. And then there is a 1.7.2. I won't read, get into the details. And then 1.7.3. Do you guys use a BTC Pay Server? Yeah, I do. I actually had a recent issue with um, but it was an issue on Lunar Nerd's side. Um, so they had a whole. So I think other people had the same kind of issue where they were their hosted BTC Pay kind of got wrecked or something and had to like do some troubleshooting, get it back. But I know also recently, maybe prior episodes you might have spoken about it, but they are now trying to do the whole Bit Twenty One unified QR thing. So this idea is it's one QR code that you scan. Um, of course, the trade-off with that is some older phones don't have a, a good enough camera to scan that. And yeah, but the idea is to have one QR. So we'll see where that goes. Yeah, I mean, that spec is, uh, yeah, QR specs are kind of not great. QR technology is great. I think the encodings are sort of like all over the place. And uh, yeah, it's... Uh, I think it'll get better. I, I think, you know, as people sort out, like how much error correction you need and, yeah. and maybe just optimize some of the data that goes into the QR, because QRs are so low bandwidth. 
And animated QRs are absolutely unusable, <laughs> completely unusable. Uh, so I think if we can just sort of optimize the the, the static QRs, we might get somewhere. Yeah, uh, Michael, uh, you pay attention to core a little more than we do. Is there a, a BIP for QRs like being worked on and proposed? That's not core. Cool. That's that wouldn't be core. Cool, but I I haven't seen a BIP for QR. Yes. Yeah. I think we need some bigger brains on this in a more sort of like BIP style approach mm. for QRs. I think it's time. Christopher Allen's been working on that with uh, one of his side projects. That blockchain commons thing. But yeah, that's maybe like, it was blockchain yeah, commons thing. But that was one of many people working on this idea. So there's other people with kind of different ideas. Yeah, too. but the, the blockchain commons <laughs> spec for QR is atrocious. Like, really? Okay. <laughs> like, it's, it's a definitely no. <laughs> so so is, is, it, is it one of those things where everyone just has different views yes. on what it should be? Yeah, pretty much because you know most of the QRs just resolve to like URLs by the phone itself. So like it's it's not like you know you can get away with a lot of non-standardization, especially for static QRs. Now for the for the animated QRs is is an absolute cluster. Um, who knows? Maybe maybe another spec comes out. Maybe a bib comes out. I have some hope for that. I remember back in the day, there was not animated, but uh, just colorful QR codes. So like each mm -hmm. um, pixel was a different color. RGB, right. RGB, and man, in the RGB stuff, it's like it, it, I can't remember, but the data rate is insane. Uh, so uh, so technically, I mean, you just hold your camera and you can shine a single pixel, right? Just, you make it bigger, but you can just RGB flash it and uh and get it but then you run into issues with other phones and like how they're reading the pixel colors and, and it's not it's more complexity too but yeah. yeah same for nfc we need i think a a bitcoin spec for it well it's it's bigger than bitcoin right i mean qr codes have been around long before bitcoin yes. and it's just an encoding format that the whole world uses for all kinds of stuff like well the, the problem is how you you uh you encode the more complex stuff like like for example how do you page for animated qrs for example right that's what i'm saying like for static qrs it kind of doesn't really matter too much what you want though is the data that's going into the qr to be as compressed as possible because then the qr has less complexity and is easier to read I don't know. I remember when we were uh, optimizing the mempool space, like address page, there was a QR code and we were kind of experimenting with um, the error correction rate. Mm -hmm. Like if you have less error correction, then the pixels are larger. Yes. And so we would try and scan it and then we would jack up the error correction rate and see if it made a difference. And like, we didn't see any difference at all between. Yeah, if you're using a, a good camera, and right. and the QRs are on a decent screen on the other end. I mean, you can go with like zero error correction; it would be totally fine. Uh, but URL sort of like is very low amount of data, right? That's why like Bitcoin addresses are also not that bad. A Lightning address starts to get like a little bit more interesting, right? Because it's a lot more data. Uh, and if you're doing a PSBT or something like that, now we're talking about like, you know, 200 kilobytes, you know, 500 kilobytes, like it gets like really nasty very fast. Well, how do the hardware wallets do it? Like um, there there must be some air gapped way of doing high bandwidth. Yeah, there is. There is an animated QR spec. It's just like not good. Okay. <laughs> 
it's hard. Like you're trying to shoehorn like data in a medium that was not designed to have a lot of data. That's true. I think QR codes were invented by some Japanese company yes. in like what the '90s. Yeah, something like that. I mean, I also love 2D barcodes. Surprisingly, like decent amount of data can go through it. It's just a lot of people don't know, don't use. But most phone uh, camera libraries and the, even the the DSP sometimes like they they actually do in hardware uh, QR decoding. Uh, they can do uh, uh, barcodes like like fifty different barcode specs, but uh, it's just you know it's unknown by most devs, so like they don't integrate it. And the problem is resolution when the QR code gets really big. Is that the problem? Yeah. So so like you know on a phone screen, if you have like a brand new phone, it's like you know I don't know like I, just like two thousand pixels wide on a new iPhone kind of thing. It's fine. But if you're trying to show a QR code in a in a low res screen, that also gets tricky, right? Because you're literally bounded by the amount of pixels that that screen has on the output way. But yeah, no, I, I'm looking forward to that to that spec. A unified QR code is kind of cool. Yeah, that, that's actually like an interesting little segue. Like, I found myself like I pretty much deleted all Bitcoin wallets from my phone now, except for Nunchuck. All the Bitcoin wallets that I use on my phone now are Lightning wallets that have also base layer. You know, it's it's like, it's not an ideal base layer solution because it costs more money because they're handling as like part of the channel and stuff. But like, you know, anytime I need to pay something with the phone, it's like lightning level of money, right? Like it's like 10 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks kind of thing. And the like the lightning wallets are like really good. Uh, the UX is great too. Yeah. And I guess for everything else, just use nunchuck on the phone. All right. Next up, Wasabi version 2.0.2.1. Cheaper privacy for whales. Automatically verify the signature of the software updater, prevent accidental coin join, double spin, faster onboarding experience. Now possible to coin join up to 4,300 Bitcoin. Coin selection improved for whales. Uh, discrete mode and a few more things. Do you guys use uh, Wasabi? No, I haven't used it. <laughs> no, no, no input uh, chain analysis for you. I, I don't regularly. I've tried it in the past. I'm a bit, I'm a bit lax on the privacy. Mm. I don't, I don't yeah. do it. I don't use privacy by default. So yeah, I, I don't know. I just don't prioritize it as much as other people do. Yeah, same here. I do use Dry Markets. I like Dry Market, but then it's just to nerd out. Like it's not like you know. <laughs> I I don't need to, to do coin joints because I don't own any Bitcoin. I lost it all. <laughs> there is that too. If you don't own and Bitcoin, I, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. And and I and I earn it. Like, you know, it comes through the shopping cart in the business. And I'm certain that like good half of my customers are all coin joining anyway. So like <laughs> <laughs> the coins already come joined. <laughs> there, there is that too. There is a danger though, isn't there? That like if, if if all of us don't prioritize it, then it opens up Bitcoin to a big problem later on down the line. Um, so I mean, you do want you do want people working on it. You do want people using it. Um, but I don't know. There's just so much stuff going on in the Bitcoin ecosystem. Like privacy just kind of drops down my list of priorities a lot of the time. Um, but that's that's not a good. It's not it's not a good mindset. 
the fear is, uh, you know, if very few people join coin join, then it's very easy for a lot of the network to sort of like exclude joined mixed coins mm. from like services and things. If the if like a good chunk of the network does that, then they can't really block it. So like it's kind of like that that type of dynamic in my view. I think as as the drama in CoinJoin sort of like diminishes a bit and there is more implementations and and like you know stuff like Joinster uh maybe takes off. I think uh I and and Lightning also has like great privacy. It's not perfect privacy, but it's like it's a lot better than sending an on-chain transaction. So maybe maybe that's why like a lot of people don't coin join. Maybe they just sort of like sending over lightning and getting some privacy that way. Plus channel splices are going to like really improve privacy too on lightning. So yeah, it's kind of all over, right? And mul multiple channel opens, like that sort of thing. Exchanges opening multiple channels for their users in one transaction. Yeah. And the, the channel splicing is cool. There's a lot of promising things coming down the line when you integrate the, the privacy on that base layer with lightning. That's right. <clears throat> I think at some point the coin joins will be, how do you say, pro prohibitively expensive for like average plebs, right? Like you'd have to be coin joining whole bitcoins or something like this at some. On s yeah, I can I can see that because base layer transactions will get more expensive at some point. Depends who you ask, right? That's a controversial topic. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's like I think people like the controversy just because people are bored. It's a bear market. <laughs> Gotta argue about something. Yeah, I mean, when the price goes up, of course, chain use goes up. When the price goes down, chain use goes down. Like, it's not that complicated. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's also there's like a scaling cycle, right? Like, it's kind of we could arguably say the reason you know you can get one Katan can get his one sat per byte through is because blockchain.info and because Binance did SegWit and most of the exchanges now do batching. So you know, without that, maybe you would be we would be in a sustained fee market or block space market or whatever. So you know, yeah, that's true. I mean, true. the last the last high fee market was Coinbase's fault. I mean, like legit was. <laughs> I mean, there was there was all kinds of uh, like, <laughs> hilariously unoptimized stuff. You remember there was Bitmex o'clock every day yes. at yeah. a certain time. Yes. You would just see like several I think full it was blocks. Six a.m. in the morning, EST. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Now it's Binance. Binance will just dump stuff, right? Coinbase had $6 million worth of BTC in small inputs that they couldn't move. It was going to cost them $10 million or something right. worth to move those inputs. <laughs> but then fees went back down, and I think they were able to get out of that, right? Yes. Yeah, they, they cleaned up the house a bit after that. I mean, it is a crazy amount, right, of, of like volume, base layer volume that, uh, that like exchanges do. You know, when you think about the amount of deposits and withdrawals that happen in those things on base layer, I think at that level they could just negotiate directly with a miner or a mining pool and uh, make some special transaction that fills up the entire block, right? They probably do. I mean, you can. What's the maximum output per transaction? Like a thousand outputs in a single transaction? I think I've done one with a thousand. Well, there's the ones that you can relay across the P2P network, and then there's the ones that yeah. you can get the miner to manually add into the block. So yeah. there's consensus rules and there's policy, mempool policy, right? And That's P2P right. relay policy. Yeah. 
Oh, we're not getting into member group policy <laughs> in this podcast. <laughs> well, unless you want to so, turn this into a, a 10-hour podcast. <laughs> that's right. No, I mean, there really is no discussion. I mean, it, what's done, it's done. And that's it. Go use BSV if it doesn't work for you. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about the full RBF. I know. I'm just joking. That's, that's why. Like, uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, Albi version 1.21.0 Taurus Helmet. This version includes the new uh, WebLN, WebBTC interface, make it easier than ever to build full Lightning web applications using LND and CLN APIs. Uh, and then there's uh, other stuff there. And then uh, then there's the Albinoster stuff. It's really cool. I guess I'll bring it up. So I don't know. I was a total slipper on this. I feel like sort of like lightning sort of came from from the back and sort of like slapped me in the head because I was sort of like, Jesus Christ, this thing doesn't work. And then all of a sudden it's like fucking awesome. <laughs> that was such a funny thing to see because for so long you were like an on-chain boomer. You hated lightning. Anyone who brought up lightning, you were like, oh, no, that's no, whatever. Now you're like, like shit coiners, you know, like it's like, <laughs> use my thing, use my thing, use my thing. It's like, dude, it doesn't fucking work. Um <laughs> And uh, and then like you know and now all you're of a like the biggest like, lightning bull out there. <laughs> that's right. I, I recorded a, a, a lightning uh, panel that was actually pretty awesome with the guys from uh, from Phoenix Breeze. Uh, I think it was Kali and also Ed Rindell. Yeah. Uh, on the I think it was the last episode. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Yeah, there's just a lot going on. Yeah, I mean, like lightning is weird. It's like I feel like it's gonna like come and go in bursts as like that because it's so fucking complicated that like you know like they will sort of release a feature here and there and then like they have to go back and like you know work out with like fifty different people and half of them are woke and sort of like you know like it's a lot of <laughs> yeah. like tools not to trample and like there's all the social dynamics and they want to sort of make it interrupt, but it's hard. So. It, it, it's a whole different sort of dynamic of development and, and features and like than base layer is, right? Yeah. They used to say yeah, like yeah. real men do it in the base layer. <laughs> <laughs> or Barack will just uh, make another crazy transaction that blows up all the lightning nodes. That's great. I mean, you know, it, it's a system that was not sort of like in an extreme adversarial environment because there was just not a lot of like economic like large economic activity in it. Now now there is. Yeah. Go, Barack, break it again. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose I suppose you're not in I suppose there's no uh development on like cold, like like lightning support for a cold card until like people are sending big amounts from like end nodes on the network, right? Yeah. So I mean you're not gonna you're not gonna have you're not gonna have a cold cards hardware signer for a routing node anytime soon, if ever. Yeah, so like we looked into it. So we, cause we do have CK Bunker, right? Which is the connected HSM for cold card. Like it's just like a, a Python library that you plug into the cold card into the USB and like you have an HSM signer. But it gets tricky with Lightning because like, they, you know, like you don't know which side has the liquidity of the channel. So like who is, gonna close the channel like you know because the, the, the code card is just like essentially like a dumb signer right like it doesn't have policies right so for lightning hsm i think what you really want is like a maybe less secure but more intelligent signer so like a, a more like how traditional banking works you get your your talus box 
You know what I mean? With a secure enclave and you throw your crappy software in there and hopefully there is no holes because the box does it a little bit better, sort of like securing you from yourself. You know, there is VLS, right? That uh, I think was Block's project or Spiral's project for uh, for doing uh, all the, the, the HSM policies. Uh, if anybody wants to... Uh, to go and uh, make a quote card uh, version firmware that essentially implements VLS. I mean, that could be fun. We, we won't for now. Well, isn't it possible nowadays to do like a PSBT transaction signed by a cold card to open a channel and then have a pre-agreed closing script that sends the closing transaction back to cold storage? People are doing that. Uh, yeah. we have, I know Justin we had that a while ago. Yeah. People have been doing that. I just, I think that's like cool for like mid-sized businesses or sort of like, you know, independent people. But like, I, I don't know how you do that in like a bit more enterprisey. You know, if you're say Breeze or Phoenix handling, you know, like a million channels, it gets weird very fast. Yeah, I think the point that I take away and as I understood as well from your from that other Lightning episode was about if you wanted to do this hot lightning signer device, then you end up having to build in more smart into the actual device so that it becomes more, you know, you're kind of rebuilding the lightning state machine inside this hardware device. And then it's kind of like, well, what are you really saving anyway? But I mean, I, I still think there's probably work coming on it and something like that is going to come out, but it sounds kind of complicated. Yeah. A lot of the security comes from the device being simple. And like, that's the joy of embedded hardware too. It's like, it's just a lot less software, right? Like a lot less crap. So like a lot less holes. So, yeah, you know, as soon as you start building all that complexity, like you kind of end up being back at general purpose computers. Uh, I, I think at some point, somebody's going to get a very expensive Java card, you know, like a, say like a part, like a, a like a 30, $50 part that has a lot of memory and it has a lot of like capacity. And then they're going to just, you know, stick VLS in it. And then you have like, you know, like essentially like a USB Java card signer. But enterprise doesn't like USB things. They prefer rack things. So, you know, then you just go your Talas, you pay your, you know, 20, 30 grand for a box and stick your software there and hopefully it doesn't break. But you'd have an HSM integrated into that box. I'd like thinking longer term where the keys would be. Yeah, exactly. So so the way normally you initialize one of those boxes is like you have Java cards with like keys and then you can key shuffle, you can key add, you can key whatever, right? Like some people do key shuffles and then burn the cards. And then uh, and then what you do is you do key rotation, right? So like it's on a schedule. So like essentially the keys are are only exist while they're hot on that box's memory. And then once once it's like 90 days, the keys get like destroyed and a new key shuffle goes in. And so essentially nobody actually ever has the keys. There was a like an incredible paper written by Apple on how they do their key shuffle for like iCloud and stuff when they, I think around the time they launched their, their new version of their iCloud stuff. Some really fucking complicated <laughs> key, uh, key shuffling. So that you're not end up at like Samsung's uh, a problem where you leak your keys for app signing and then uh, anyone can sign a, a binary to put in your uh, in your uh, uh, walled garden uh, phone. So yeah, so so back to Albi, like 
have you guys used this? I, I'm finding it really, I normally like super hater on extensions for browsers that handle money, but you know, for lightning and for Noster, I think like, you know, like that, the threshold of like required security is a little bit lower. So like it's super handy. They're doing like really cool work and they're sort of like listening to the users and, and you can use like Zeus to sync up with that. So you, so you have an app to control, send in and out the funds as well. Yeah. Yeah. I used, I use Albi. I think it's cool. Um, I haven't used Nostra with it. Um, I, I have to be honest, I haven't used Nostra much really. Um, Shame on you. But uh, yeah, I mean, I made an account, but I was kind of like, ah, <laughs> oh, there's no Android kind of support for it. And then, and then like that, you got to use like a browser thing. And then, I, then, you, then I was like, oh, what about the hygiene of my keys? Am I going to like just type yep. in my private key on this browser? Like it just, Don't. you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, uh, yeah, exactly. Right. So it's kind of, that's why I just haven't really uh, gone hard on Nostra yet. So Albi is essentially like an HSM in the browser, right? So like essentially they're doing, they can do better securing of the keys because an extension is not a website, right? Uh, and then there is a spec for Doster that sort of like tells Albi the pub key and say, hey, can you sign this, right? And then Albi signs it. So it sounds each interaction and you can whitelist, blacklist stuff. Uh, but it works for Lightning too, right? So you can have your your LN URL thing there. And uh, I was whining uh, to, uh, uh, I believe it's Michael, the guy who started Albi, that I wanted to have my own domain in, as the Lightning address. And they, they launched now, so you can just host a little JSON file on your server, and then it does a proxy of LN URL. Uh, so you can have nvk at nvk.org as my Albi payment address. So I don't have to use at Albi. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. And I know they have support for the other types, styles of um, payment addresses or lightning addresses. So that's cool. Well, I mean, until there is Bolt 12, the ominous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Bolt 12, it's kind of like that's the competition in a way. Lightning address and Bolt 12. And I think what happened is like some of the guys got tired of waiting for things at protocol. Yeah. So they were like, let's just go build it out at, at our level. That's how it always works, man. Like, the protocol software. SPAC is always the worst like possible combination, right? Because remember, the more opinionated you are about your protocol, the less people are going to want to use it because they're going to have their own opinions, yeah. right? So you end up with that XKCD cartoon where like, yeah. you know, we have 14 standards. We need a new standard to yeah. like, you now know, like got 15 standards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. You know, Bitcoin is an absolute Frankenstein. Yeah. It's not only that, like the, like design decisions is also like the timing of when it's ready. So like a lot of the like older guys will, will have been through this process so many times and we like, we need to like let it bed in and check that it's fine for a year. And some of the like newer, younger guys will be like, no, let's get it out now. Let's get it out now. It's fine. It's fine. So like the timing is a real struggle as well for these like standard type problems. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I won't get, maybe we can talk later on, but uh, it's kind of like the Noster thing, you know, like it's, um, you know, like simple, unopinionated protocols at the right timing with the market, like they just take over, right? I mean, it's because like everybody's going to hate on it because it doesn't do the thing the way that they want it, but it's not too opinionated. So you can kind of build the implementation however you want, as long as the things talk together, right? 
And the world is big and complicated too. So it's not like, you know, we're just like, you know, a million people using BBS, right? And and like, it's a lot easier to coordinate. And with Bitcoin on the other side, is like even more beautiful, right? Like if you break the spec, you, you fork off. <laughs> like, you know, there is not a lot of room really. I mean, there is not even a spec for Bitcoin. It's like, where's the spec document? Well, I'll read the code. <laughs> <laughs> the, the BIPs, a lot of the BIPs were written after the code was written, right? So, so like you know, it's not like you have your your documents and then you build the the software. So, yeah, it's kind of strange that Lightning has like stronger processes than consensus. <laughs> Given that consent, like we live or we live or die by consensus. Like if consensus screws up, then like industry's over. But pretty much, Lightning Lightning is Lightning's less important. They can put in yeah. consensus, but has stronger processes. I think a lot of it is like Rust, Rusty's, uh, yeah, very good, very smart guy, very experienced. I think it's because it's so it's so complicated, right? Like, I, I mean, there there is very few people in Lightning who truly understand what's going on. So, like, so they need this sort of like Oracle dudes and ladies, um, nifty, uh, to sort of like you know kind of like spec it out so that people can go build implementations. Like, I, I don't think there's a lot of people out there who, who truly understand what's going on. While like Bitcoin, it's complicated, but still understandable. Uh, hang on, I lost the list here. Ah, found it. Right, Zeus, uh, Lightning Node Connect, new default home screen, BIP21, unified QRs, BTC pay LN bank support, LND, new clipboard UX, better fee, so uh, so yeah, um, Zeus Zeus like it's come a long way. Uh, yeah. It's quite nice. Uh, I wasn't using it until I connected to Albi. Uh, do you guys use that with your own nodes? Yeah, yeah, I've been using it for years. <laughs> it's uh, it's awesome. It's come so far. L big, it's come a long way. I used to get annoyed being like, "Hey guys, let me change the mac the default max fee because it used to be ten sats, and if you just went with the default, sometimes the payments would fail. Now it's a hundred, and I think they've got a smarter UX around that as well. So definitely uh that's that's way better and uh yeah it's really good i use it often yeah zeus is not only the best but it's like the only app that lets you connect to your own node so just it just wins by default just for showing yeah. up i mean right. what is that zap and spark and <laughs> that's pretty much it right yeah i mean shout out to evan who's been putting in all that work for so long on that and like Sort of like again, it's one of those stories where it's like the solution meets the timing of the market, and like it's just you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's pretty cool. I kind of been taking an approach with Lightning where I want to use it as a normie instead of like because you know Bitcoin, I go like full sort of like full team foil, full nerd, right? But with Lightning, I'm like I want to use it like normal people are gonna use it, you know, Phoenix Breeze kind of thing, and yeah. then. Because I want to under like it's like this technology is for like mass market, right? So like I, I kind of want to use like they're gonna use to understand really what's available and how does it work, as opposed to like you know fiddling with like deep in it. Yeah. Next is uh, Fountain zero point five point eight. Uh, that's a podcasting two point zero app. It's quite good. I uh, I use it a lot. Do you guys listen to podcasts there? I personally don't. I, I need that feature parity of having like it available on the web and synced with my phone. So I use Pocket Cast still. I have Fountain and I basically, I take, I get donations and I basically just donate that to like open source things right. or geyser.fund and stuff on my podcasting 2.0 like donations. 
What, what are the alternatives on the podcast, uh, like Lightning Podcast? So you got Breeze, there's Podverse FM, uh, and maybe Antenna Pod, but I'm not 100% sure. But UX-wise, I mean, Breeze is decent. It's actually gotten a lot better. But uh, like, you know, F, like uh, Fountain.fm is like in a whole different category. Like, you know, it, it really is, uh, you know, it's still like early, a bit buggy, you know, a small team and stuff. But like, it, it really is in a completely different category. And you can clip stuff too, which is kind of cool and share those. And they have this kind of ads where like, you can you can create an ad for whatever thing and, and like, it pays users to listen to the ads. Uh, so people actually do listen. Uh, they're trying like actually different stuff. And, and the app was built from ground up for just pod. Like there is that other pod uh, casting app. Oh, uh, Sphinx. No, no, Sphinx. Yeah, there's Sphinx, but no, there's one more pod. You, you, I think one of you said the name. Podverse. Yeah, like that That one is like, it's, a, it's like the UX is unusable. I think it was just sort of like lightning was shoved in there. But uh, but yeah, no, that, that space is growing. So you could you could use one of these for this podcast, right? But you're not kind of- Yeah, I am. So oh, you are, okay. Yeah, so. So, so like, unfortunately, like Fountain doesn't support like a splitting per episode when people are streaming sets. You know, it's still all like peanuts amount of money, right? But like, it's super cool. I mean, like people, like, instead of just having like shitty troll comments on YouTube or whatever, uh, mind you, I'm very new to this podcasting thing. You know, there's this thing called Boostergrams, right? Like, it, it is super satisfying that somebody goes and sends you, like, you know, like 50,000 sets, like 1,000 sets or whatever, or like with a message, right? As opposed to just being like, you know, somebody with like no skin in that comment, right? And the splits are cool too, because you can stream like the sets to other people as well. So, yeah, uh, having a lot of fun at that, I, I think it's cool. I know Light, Lightning Junkies podcast discussed these Lightning podcast apps a lot. Cool. I haven't heard, haven't heard a podcast from him, Chaz, recently. Uh, Umbro, update 24.0.1-2. Advanced settings are here. New Bitcoin app updated Umbro. Toggle Tor, ClearNet, I2P, Full RBF. <laughs> I saw the Full RBF tweet. That was great. <laughs> we updated the app. Now you can go and turn on Full RBF. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I mean, it's cool that they're offering all these options, right? And yeah. I think they've innovated in that way of like really quickly and easily showing that, right? Because otherwise, what's the user going to have to do? They're going to have to learn how to go into Bitcoin.com, manually change all this stuff. Like it's a pain, right? Having it all automated massively opens the audience in terms of who can run a node and configure it the way they want. So good on them for that. I mean, you can run your uh, mempool.space there, right, Wiz? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, actually, we have a similar option coming soon where you're going to be able to, well, if you're using mempool.space, which is our official instance, then you know, you'll know you be able to toggle on or off the full RBF. Obviously, if it's on your own node, you would do that at the Bitcoin Core Bitcoin.conf level, but yeah, exactly. It's it's all about giving the user the choice and not making these kind of decisions for them. Like recently, blockchain. I'm sorry, blockstream.info. <laughs> slightly different company. <laughs> uh, slightly different company. No, no. Blockstream.info enabled like full RBF, and I had a lot of people in my DMs encouraging me to 
do the same thing. And I said, yes. I'm not going to force that decision on all our users. I'll just implement both and have a toggle switch and then people can decide which one they want to use. And But the key is, what do you make the default on or off? Yeah. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> do you just mirror Bitcoin core? I don't know. Yeah, pretty much. No, I, I think it's perfectly reasonable to be a bit of an activist uh, uh, like on, on how you you want your software. Like, I think like core is a different sort of it's unfortunate that the way Bitcoin works, you really want just one implementation. So it does create a lot more weight into course sort of opinions, right? Through software. But well, it, it, it it's complicated, right? Because everyone has their own use case, their own business model, their own threat model. Like yeah. some of our, you know, even like enterprise sponsors want this option and then the other ones want the exact opposite option, right? So right. The only way to make everyone happy is to give them the choice and yeah. uh, well make them decide on setup. You have to you have to answer like on or off. Right, but then is that another UX hurdle of like getting people to like, oh, there's all these 10,000 dialog boxes I need to do to set up my note. Yeah. You, know, you can see how that can also hurt the adoption, right? In the way that we want, which is more people to you know use their own node and use their own stuff. Hey, did you filter for uh, RBF uh, on uh, on uh, Mempool? Can I see the percentage of RBF transactions going through? Yeah, we have some PRs open now that kind of track that, but um, there's some concerns why we didn't merge them or, or ship that feature yet. It's tricky, right? Because some transactions get replaced like an incredible amount of times. And uh, it's kind of like a denial of service attack vector almost, right? Like you could fill up our database just by replacing the transaction a lot or, you know, like the database would grow very, very quickly. So we kind of uh, have some concerns. It's, it's tricky, right? It's, it's complicated to, to, to keep every copy of every transaction that ever hit the mempool ever, right? So. Oh, I, I hear you. It reminds me of uh, our old block explorer way back in the day was uh, btclook.com. And uh, we had Bitcoin was about six gigabytes total <laughs> transaction data, like total, total. So we just ran it in Redis. That was nice. Having all transaction data in Redis, it was in RAM. Um, yeah. In RAM, like, like, and not like, and not virtual RAM, like real RAM. Oh, it was uh, it was absolutely great. As soon, like that project started getting expensive and expensive and expensive and very expensive, and we're like, ah, shut it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do something similar on mempool space. They don't have the entire blockchain in RAM, but we have like a hundred gigs of it or something. So, right. Uh, like quick other thing here, I noticed on the Umbro the I2P, right? I I haven't really used much, and like I I don't know the state of I2P. Is I2P gonna like you know give me a, a slap in the back of the head because now it's being used or or still sort of like you know just two people in it, the I and the P. So I would say that it's yeah it hasn't reached the adoption of Tor and so we haven't really seen whether it will encounter the same challenges as Tor. But I think it was I think it was John Attack uh, added it to Bitcoin Core and a bunch of people have um, used it and, and connected to his node. 
I mean, it's a lot faster, right? Is it? Is it a lot faster than Tor? Does it have enough traffic for us to know that like is a, like a lot faster once there is a lot of traffic kind of thing? Or is it just like sort of like theoretically is faster? It's kind of like Nostra or Nostra right now, right? Like if nobody's attacking, it works great or yeah. works. But as soon as we have some serious spam attacks, like the relays are just going to get crushed, right? So yeah, there is, there is ways of fixing that. Uh, we were working on some of that uh, for fun internally. We'll get to it. Okay, OBW, uh, version 0.2.0, adds experimental support for LUD18 invoice creation with name name description and does other minor improvements. Anybody is a OBW user? I don't know much about this one. Haven't used. No. Okay. Liana... Uh, 0.1, first beta release. So this is a new app-ish. Simple Bitcoin wallet that features a time lock recovery path for your coins. Coins are spendable as regular wallet, but secondary keys uh, become available after configurable period. Oh, that's cool. So like it's like a, it's like some more complex uh, transaction scripting here. For, yeah, it's uh, very like Miniscript, basically. It's a whole like demonstration of Miniscript uses so I think this might be an interesting use coming up, like maybe not in Liana per se, but if more and more wallets start supporting Miniscript, then maybe people are more happy to use multisig if you have like a backout condition to save yourself from like, you know. Right. Yeah. Or maybe it makes sense in like other institutional contexts or, you know, where, you know, for a business, maybe you have like different conditions that now because of Miniscript, it's now available for people to use their same wallet across different setups. Do all Miniscript functionality work with uh, ECDSA or do you have to move to Schnorr? I believe it was done even before like the Taproot stuff. So, yeah. No, I know I know Miniscript was, but I'm not sure about like all the functions of it. I don't know. I wouldn't I don't know the answer. It's all pre-Taproot. There's a Taproot descriptor, but um there hasn't yet been a release for Miniscript post Taproot. Oh, okay. So, there's a t so the taproot descriptor you can use, but that's just the descriptor side. It isn't the miniscript side. There hasn't been taproot miniscript released yet. I don't know what's holding it up. But yeah. Do we do we have a final spec for Moosig yet? I haven't been paying attention. It's pretty much there. They thought it was done, and then they found a little issue with it. A little edge <laughs> case. Now it's like going back to discussion. Um, yeah. But it's, yeah, it's, yeah, I think it's like 99% done. Cool. Uh, so there you go, uh, Ledger plus Miniscript. So Ledger now has a Miniscript uh, integration and they also launched, should be lower here on the comments. They also have like a, a cool sort of like visualizer UI thing where you can go and sort of like see the Miniscript uh, in a visual way. Uh, so, so it's a little bit more sane. It reminds me a little bit of uh, what, uh, what was his name? Guy who did uh, uh, CTV. Jeremy Rubin. Jeremy, yes. Uh, sorry, I forgot your name, Jeremy. So Jeremy had a very cool sort of uh, visualizer Sapia. too. For his thing was called Sapia, or is called Sapia. Sapia. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, as as scripts get more complex, I mean, there really is no other way to handle it. You're gonna have to use some form of like visualization and sort of like to build it out. Things are gonna get weird, man. Once you have like real taproot uh, <laughs> um, uh, transactions out there that like really go through the complexity that he could go if he wanted to. 
Yeah, and it'd be interesting to see um, to see whether like existing wallets go in this direction and start offering lots of like complex scripting, or whether it's going to be like these new new wallets that come out of come out of nowhere, like this yeah. uh, Revolt release, where they're specifically building for complex scripting. Oh yeah, Revolt. That's uh... they're the guys behind the, this Liana one. Yeah, it's Kevin and Rosius. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin and Antoine and them. That's right. Uh, yeah, they've been working on Revolt for years. It's it's cool, but it, it's going to be niche until Bitcoin market is like, you know, 10, 100x the amount of users, in my view. Like, it's, it's hard to find enough people that are going to want to, like, mess around with, like, this kind of stuff, especially when it comes to their life savings. Depends who you're targeting, doesn't it? Depends if you're targeting enterprise, high net worth individuals. Yeah, it could be a business play. That's right. Yeah. I could imagine businesses who want, you know, maybe two of three of this set and maybe, you know, three or five of some other set and then like in a few years time, a back out condition, you yep. know, like all kinds of crazy things that could be built with Miniscript, right? Yeah. What, what's hard is that like once you set the script, the script is set, right? You can't change yes. the script. That that's yeah. That's the part that's like kind of tricky when it comes because businesses change. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure they and could code in some kind of key rotation thing true. and then yeah. spin it into a new complicated mini script thing when when the guy retires or changes job yeah, okay that's spend true. out of this into a new you know well that's kind of what the liquid federation does right like they have this relocking uh thing and then if it doesn't get relocked in so many blocks then it has a different fallback you know uh sometimes i feel like just like a single sig and pass phrase just has that kind yeah. of peace <laughs> you're in this camp <laughs> yeah yeah fair enough I mean I, I'm just seeing this as like this could be super handy for inheritance as well like maybe you could have some kind of dead man switch thing like maybe it's a three or five but when I die after you know two years then I can you know it's like some reduced condition for my kid to take the key something like that yeah and then the the destination address for that was accidentally lost I don't know man like it's a complexity is is tricky. I, I I'm not saying it's not gonna. I, it's super cool. Uh, I just I just like the 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 complexity of it scares the crap out of me when because I see the sad stories right when they reach out to support and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like man, it's like you know, it's always the programmer husband, right, who codes <laughs> his Some own like, complex like thing custom. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna build my own custom script for this transaction, right? My own custom multi sig thing, and then like the, the wife is just sort of like, uh, and the money's gone, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's important to stay on the well trodden <laughs> pathways, let's say, so that that way someone competent can help recover, you know? Yeah, I, I you know, like th these things will happen. I, I just think they're gonna happen like a lot later on when there is no question about how the script plays out in time and people go through a few losses until they figure out. Yeah, this one will need a few pioneers. I think you're very focused on the consumer use case. I think, I think enterprise is very different. Yes, I, no, I agree. And also enterprise has like normally like proper processes to sort of go through things. So exactly, like yeah. they, they audit their own processes to know if they get there, right? Like they can spend the money and the time. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of operational and uh, you, you need like watchtowers and all these things to know if the funds didn't move in this time or whatever. 
yeah. some kind of reminder system. I guess that's what some companies are you trying put on to... calendars. You put a private key right on Apple Calendar, right? <laughs> and then uh, you know, boom, done, right? <laughs> you you can even write a script, you know, that checks for private keys in your calendar and just sweeps them uh, when it comes to the date. Nobody's going to be able to see it before. <laughs> Or using LastPass. Have you heard what's, I don't know what's, I haven't got to the bottom exactly what's happening with LastPass. <laughs> I think there's an item in here about that too. Yeah. Oh, is it later on? Okay, we'll leave it later on. Oh man, yeah, we're going to definitely get there. All right, so this is the last uh, of the software updates here. Uh, Demo is 0.1.7.8, Wheel is an absolute beast, uh, JB55. He's, uh, he, he's, uh, changing all the airplane uh, wings as the airplane is flying. Prop to those <laughs> kids, man. You know, like, it's kind of cool because you can, because it's not money, right? Like, you can take a few more liberties on, on how things are done. And, you know, we all kind of expect that our keys could be also screwed and just have to have new keys. Now, what's really cool is that there is a uh, open... I think, I don't know if it's an issue or PR, it's an issue. So if you cryptographer out there, big brain cryptographer out there, go to uh, Nostr-Protocol, issues 103 on Nostr Protocol GitHub, they are working out key rotation, stateless key rotation, so that, uh, you know, that, that's how you handle this kinds of like, key pairs that you use bear on protocols and things. So, you know, once once there is like a, a clever way of doing that key rotation, I think we're greatly de-risk the issue and we can all move on from this. But I totally understand why they don't want to hold back the protocol development and the client development and everything because of this. The thing about Nostra is it feels like everyone is working on client apps or other end user apps, but, um, there could be a lot more development in the relay. I mean, it's not as sexy, right? Like who wants to work on the relay? No, it's the same people. Right. It's the same people. The, the same people building clients are building the protocol and are building the relays. Right, but like, for example, there's right now there's no way to sync relays data, right. you know, with each other. So if that one big relay goes down, then all that data is just lost, right? So is it really decentralized? Is it, you know, like... I, I was actually like reflecting over that exact question the other day. I, I think the topology is just like bamboozling us Bitcoiners. Their topology is not meant to have like mirrored relays. I mean, it's a nice to have for whatever purpose. You, you might have a purpose for that, right? But like the, the way it's supposed to work is uh, you have a couple of relays that you like or use and you have those have your information. So... You don't want all relays to have all the information. It, it's impossible to scale that way. It's not a blockchain. <laughs> it's not a blockchain. Yeah, but also, like, what if that relay just goes down? That yeah, that, yeah. It, it, yeah. So, you need but, multiple copies of data, right? So so yeah. So but that happens in a many to many uh, 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 graph, right? So essentially, think about it this way: Livera is connected to three relays that he pushes his data to. Right, I'm connected to three relays that put, that I push my data to. We might have a Venn diagram where one or two of those relays intersect, right? So that data is redundant. It's just not redundant in a single place. That's the topology for 
for Noster to scale. So people will have multiple relays. Listen, you might have relays that just have like a kind of like a catch all for that client like say Damus, for example, that has the Twitter experience, they might want to optimize to deliver that Twitter experience by having a single relay. That's exactly what I'm talking about though, right? Like you want all of your tweets to appear. You want all of your followers to appear. Yeah, but, but it doesn't, it, it won't scale like that. Like it, the idea is going to be like, you're going to have like, uh, say like one, two, maybe three circles of, of distance from you, right? So say, I only want to see the data from people I follow and the people that they follow, right? I don't want to see world. And that's kind of like what Twitter does at the same time. Like Twitter only like really has, like they have some algos there that only show you a certain extent, right? It's impossible to, to have a fire hose of, of the total, right? But Twitter does have the fire hose of the total for enterprise customers, for example, right? Yeah, but you know, like if you try to search, it's not like that great. I think you're focusing on, like you said, the individual end user yes. experience. I'm talking about like the relays specifically. You do need this type of full node relay, if you want to call it that. Oh, it, it's, and, and I'm sure it's going to come. I mean, like somebody is going to just go and sort of like make a PR. It's like, here's a mirror functionality. It's like, start at this, start at this, uh, this birthday date, right? And just sort of like, you you can already mirror, right? Like it's not an official, let's call it, they say functionality, but you can right. keep on just taking it. Right. So like, for example, um, JB sent me like all of his events. And so mm -hmm. I'm just importing those into my node manually with a yeah. script. But I, like, I think that's the kind of stuff that you start sort of like working on when there is a data loss. Because it's so early, right? <laughs> no, it, it, like really, it's like it's just I'm so the only early. guy who's like, hey, can you send me all your events just in case, you know? <laughs> so, so like on our side, right? Like we have this thing called BRB.io, right? That we're working on, and that's essentially like the, the way we approach new technology is we try to build like a, a fairly like comprehensive thing for the new technology, right? And then we try to bump into every fucking problem that could come from the technology, right? It was the the blockchain explorer back then for us, uh, the BTC look thing, that we bump into the memory thing and we killed it. So, but like, essentially what we're doing now is we're trying to figure out like, okay, clearly mirroring things should be a service, paid service, or, or like doing a few things should all be invoice-based so you can prevent spamming. And then sort of like try to build on top of that as like a, a sane sort of like a sane base. A sane base for an Oster type service is there is a cost per note, right? Per event, at least in my view. And that's the only way you scale this thing, right? Because if there is a cost, spammers are out, right? And and a lot of posting is spammy, <laughs> right? Um, so... I think you can one raise the raise the the signal versus noise floor in terms of like content and, and two, you know, you, you can prevent like actual bad actor behavior too. I think, you know, like we are also running like free relays that are anon kind of thing. But uh I think those are important to bootstrap the network. But I, I don't I don't think those are how we sort of move to the future. You know, it's possible, say, for example, Demos, Demos has a value add, right? Say, like, I don't know, like, 
dumbest premium, right? Like like Twitter premium or whatever. And then, you know, if you pay that, you get a relay that just mirrors all your information for as long as you're paying. Yeah. And they have like 10 different uh, mirrored relays and then there's no data loss, right? So maybe as an example in the future, you as a user might pay some relays to relay your stuff. And then maybe on the other hand, maybe if you want historical access, you're paying somebody because you want historical access to old stuff that some old yeah. tweets or whatever that they had put out. Um, because there's not there's not one canonical record, just like Twitter.com with the full proper record. It's kind of like uh, there is no one true info or source, I guess. It's kind of like a weird thing too. It's like, I don't see Nostra existing without like a Bitcoin relationship because technically it's independent, right? They just happen to use Schnorr as their key pair algo, right? But in my view, it doesn't exist without Bitcoin. And that's why sort of I added to the Bitcoin list and to the Bitcoin things. It's like Bitcoin at the end of the day is people, right? Like, you have to coordinate nodes, you have to coordinate what you want, you have transactions to make, you're paying a human between humans, uh, even if it's servers to servers. So like, I see it as like the decentralized coordination and communication layer on like how we handle Bitcoin if, if the other ones are not uh, as friendly to Bitcoin. And also the way you scale Nostra is with Bitcoin payments, probably Lightning and, and sort of like, they have the, I think they're going to have this very incestuous relationship between the two if it takes off. It's taking off though, surprisingly. It is. It's, it, it it's is. like surprisingly blowing up. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's, uh, it's the Dorsey effect, isn't it? Yes. It was kind of already going. Didn't it right? blow up after, after? Yes. I mean, like, you know, okay. Dorsey has, Jack has like 6 million followers on Twitter. And he's the guy who invented Twitter. <laughs> so like if the guy who invents the most successful public square platform sort of like joins this new public square platform, like people will listen, right? Like, But even better than that was when Twitter banned Nostra, right? Yeah, that too. Yes. Yeah, it was impressive they got Nostra into that. Yeah, I know. Like it's it's almost like on purpose. Like there's this like completely unknown technology yeah. that like it's like full nerd, right? And then they mention it. Like they didn't mention TikTok. They didn't mention like those other fifty other platforms. They mentioned like Nostr. Yeah. Like what is that? And it was so obvious in response to Jack, right? Because like two days before that, he had donated some sets. Yes, I do. I do wonder every time I go on Twitter whether I'm just being guinea pigged by. <laughs> like a couple of billion billionaire strategies. <laughs> oh yeah. So like, I mean, like plotting between like, I don't know, Jack Dorsey and Elon Musk to try and get people using Nostra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. He, uh, you know, he, he did sell, I think his shares, right. It was part of the deal, uh, with Elon, I think. And he's also, and Jack was also a board member. So, uh, I said Dorsey doesn't have any Twitter shares anymore. I don't know if he still has, but like, I think like a, an allocation oh, I, I thought was he made. still has some. Yeah. Yeah. But I think part of the allocation was some of his stuff. I, I uh, don't know exact details of the deal. Not that matters too much, but I, I think there was a blasting done there too. The other thing yeah. too, with the Nostra thing is like, you know, like it's immediately, Bitcoiners moving on and Bitcoiners paying each other and like the lightning thing and it's just it's just a an interesting natural sort of progression in there. It's sticky too. 
I think where the rubber meets the road, though, is will we see non-Bitcoiners jump on Nostra and use it, right? I think that's kind of... If, if we see non-Bitcoiners jump in and use it because they see it has value, then it you know, maybe yeah. it starts to grow. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, that's always been the Twitter conundrum, right? Like, you know, I have the, the Mastodon instance with a bunch of Bitcoiners in it. Nobody uses it. I mean, there's some people that I don't use it. It's my own instance. I can't wait to just <laughs> redirect that domain to Noster. Um, there's like 5,000 people in it. Yeah, but Stefan, you could say that about Bitcoin too, right? Like, yeah. like are non-Bitcoiners going to join our little thing? Here? Yeah, of course. But what I'm saying is like, is, like, is it going to grow significantly in, in user base or is it just going to be kind of like our little echo chamber thing, you know? I, you know, like Twitter without being able to dunk on no coiners, like it's not a, like, this is what, you know, what's always going to be missing until the normies come into Nostar is like, you know, is there a dumb economist from the economist for us to dunk on, you know, when the Bitcoin price goes up, uh, <laughs> you know, like you need that, that, that is part of why Twitter is fun, of the right? fun. It's, yeah. It's the interaction with the people that don't want to interact with us. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that intersection between Nostra and Lightning is is, is what interests me most, especially with the devs like JB and uh, Fiat Jaff. They've, they've, they've done a lot of Lightning stuff. So like, hopefully we'll see like yeah, it'd be cool. the, coolest, the coolest possible integration between like a social media platform pro- protocol and Lightning. Because yeah. Lightning's not going to be integrated in Twitter anytime soon. So it, no, I, I think that's the thing that's most interesting. I think Doge comes before Lightning does. Even Shiba probably comes before, so it's gonna be it's gonna be Doge, Shiba, and then maybe uh, Lightning. <laughs> All right. So, uh, oh, another uh, another uh, client uh, for uh, for Nostra there is this Iris.to. It was Martini. It was his own protocol, and then now he converted that client to uh, to also do uh, Nostra. So oh, that's cool. It's gobbling up. There is a lot of salt around the, the all the other uh, social media semi decentralized or decentralized right, yeah. for marketing. Uh, uh, anyways, so so that's some stuff there. All right, guys, is there other project uh, software updates that we missed that maybe you guys know that I missed? Uh, otherwise, we'll move on to the next section of the show. Oh, somebody on Twitter said that. That Samurai Wallet released a new version with stealth mode. You see that? Uh, no, no. It must be new, like just now. Yeah, like two hours ago. Oh, right. Yeah, I'm seeing it now. Yeah, so I know this is an old feature they had where basically the idea is you could hide that you were running Samurai Wallet on your phone. And so I think they took it away, but now obviously they must have brought it back. Uh, and you can mask your Samurai wallet as a calculator app or as a, you know. I saw yeah. that. Uh, I saw that video. So I just want to put this out there. It's super useful against like dumb attackers. But please be careful with this stuff. Don't don't try to be a clever ass at the airport because at the airport, what they're going to do is they're going to stick your I want to be a hacksaw. Uh, Android phone into a little machine that's going to copy every byte of memory that thing has and not just the, like the drive, the RAM, yeah. the EEPROM. Like there's nothing left from that phone that does not get copied. And then what they do is they break it later. So just know that like don't, don't bring privacy dependent things through airports and don't bring Bitcoin through airports because if they want to get it, they will get it. What country is that? Every country, they all have this little machine. 
there is like two or three defense contractors that make this little black box with a cable for every type of phone existing to man. And and the border, you know, that TSA dumbass kind of thing, like they go, they just plug it in and press a button, right? It's like it beams the information straight to some database in the FBI, the NSA, the whatever, the hack, three-letter agency. And it just sits there, either in the queue to be brute forced, in the queue for uh, known attacks, right? Because there's a ton of zero days that we don't know about that they have access to. There is also backdoors, it's all kinds of crap. Those guys have access to it all. Uh, sometimes it shows to the border agent via like a literal web UI on his phone. Like, look, this guy is going to bomb somebody, right? Like, please detain. You know what I mean? Like they have all kinds of like, just please don't take shit through airports. Like including talk cuts. That's right. Like don't brick it before. If you forgot it on you, brick it uh, before you go through border. Th those guys can get in. They'll get into anything. It's just a matter of time. It sounds like a very American thing, though, that you're describing. No, all like, you know, like there's a few countries that will have like some laws against that to protect citizens. But like at the end of the day, like you're going to be everybody has their rights suspended when they go through airports, pretty much. So like they and they might not even ask you, they might do it illegally, too. No, oh, I'm going to just take your phone you know, from you quickly, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> boom, done, gone, right? Like, like the majority of the countries can sort of like, they, they may not be able to compel you to give you the password, but they can definitely like hold the device to inspect the device. They might be plugging in. I wouldn't uh, depend on my rights in an airport for security. I wouldn't even hold much money on the phone anyway, even if you're not going to airports. Yeah. No, and also like, because, you know, some people have like read-only X pubs in their phones for their like big stash. Like imagine if the bad guys, right? Like government guys get like your X pub, like they will know every transaction going forward forever on their wallet. Not great. So yeah, so just, just please be careful uh, with uh, your sensitive information through airports. I don't have any sensitive information. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> He doesn't have any Bitcoin, you know? Only criminals <laughs> want privacy. I have nothing to hide. <laughs> like, you know, I keep my private keys, like, on my website. <laughs> Which private keys? I don't have any pad keys. I am so nothing to hide that I only use public keys. <laughs> <laughs> I use the same hacks as the private key. I'm joking. That is not mathematically possible. But anyways... So Project Spotlight, uh, so these are new projects that sort of got launched. There is the SMS for SATs I tried to use. With the service that I was using, it didn't work, but I've been told that it does work. This is really cool. When you need a burner phone number for SMS for validation, because, you know, all the websites now require you to have a phone number to, uh, to KYC light you into their service, really to prevent spam. You can pay a couple sats there and uh, and have a, a temporary 20-minute phone number for that SMS verification. So props to them. LNVPN, privacy-focused VPN provider accepts lightning. That's nice. Heat bit, uh, electric heater for from Bitcoin miners. Uh, I think this one will uh, come in handy. Uh, it's a $1,000 machine that looks like uh, an air filter. Cool. 
if you're going to waste electricity with heat, at least profit from, uh, from Bitcoin. ZapRite, uh, Bitcoin invoicing project management and expenses tracking. That's cool. All right. Uh, boosts. I'm going to read this because this folks uh, uh, sent us uh, some boostergrams. Rotter Team Maxi. Well, that's Rindell. 5,000 sets. An hour in and Adam Curry hasn't read Spiral Release notes yet. Ape Myth Rendier. Uh, value for value. Good to see you. Our change man in VK. Hopefully by sets helped. Uh, great discussion. I wish you had a full mining expert panel on maybe do another one in a everyone in a few months i hope the exchanges are all collapsed i, I like the workflow in vk described bring back the coffee shop cash swap uh but this time with open dimes yeah i i really like uh physical uh coin mixing you know you bring a stack of uh of sats cards or open dimes and it just all exchange between each other no 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 on-chain footprint a user with a lot of numbers. Thank you for your 20,000 sets. Uh, hi, Traverse, 50,000 sets. Vake, always a listener. Many sats sent to us. Anon-user, 7,500 sats. Okay, guys, I, I think I'm going to not read Anon-users. We're very thankful for your sats. They're being donated to interesting sats initiatives. But uh, there's no message. Reducer, all signal, no, not bored yet. I hope this episode bored you, Reducer. Nacho Bitcoin, Nacho Libre. CoinKite is a sauna apparel company disguised as a hardware company, if you understand this. Yeah, that is true. Eric99, stay humble, stack sats. Uh, CA Denner, uh, how to get my Satoshi white paper art considered? Okay, I think I've already uh, responded to that one. All right, guys, uh, this is an ad-free show. So your sats are welcome mostly because it's fun and they get donated. Mostly on Noster now. <laughs> sats come <laughs> in for the pod, sats go out on Noster. <laughs> All right, guys, the news and noteworthy part of the show. We're going to like glance just through a few of this. Uh, if there is any stories you guys are very interested about, sort of do jump in. So the block uh, media company says... Uh, cover crypto news independently has been secretly funded by oh yeah this is the drama with sbf everyone is bored of this sbf owns the media including the new york times so he can go fuck himself you to make comp crypto companies report tax details to authorities uh, that's a doozy not looking good for freedom in the eu need need the eu uh bitcoiners to fight against it i don't i can't remember like recent like you having any freedom. I mean, like, I think that freedom just kind of ended in the EU for like a couple decades now, at least. Yeah, it's pretty bad though. They might say that they are freer than North Americans or whatever, but you know, not quite. Coinbase received 12,320 government demands for, yeah. Well, I kind of think it's important that exchanges say that out loud, how many requests they get, so people get a sense of like the level of of enemas that are happening. Yeah. I mean, that would be on millions of customers, right? Probably 50 million yeah. customers, maybe more. Anti-Money Laundering Act introduced today by Senator Warren, never going to pass. That parasite only does this when she needs attention. Bitcoin Miner... 
Quora Scientific is filing for Chapter 11. Yep. Stay humble, stats, stats. How is the stock down 98%? Well, I mean, they, they bankrupt. Oh, okay. And remember, like, my, Bitcoin mining stocks pumped hard. So what, what problems did they have? Like, other than, other than the Bitcoin price going down 70%. They were over-leveraged. Uh, a lot of... So uh, all the OG miners know that you collect the sets and the price is high or the ramp up, really, when they're the most profitable. And then you don't over-expand because the price is going to collapse. That's how Bitcoin works. <laughs> but then there was all this class of new sort of like, mm. I am very smart banker, financier, who sort of came into Bitcoin. It's like, well, the mining business is very simple. You know, like you get a lot <laughs> of miners and you get some energy contracts. They're going to get rugged on you. And boom, you're making money, which is true in a, in a bull market. And then they, they, over, they, they actually leveraged their BTC they also collateralized their miners for more money for more expansion, right? And then the price collapsed. They are in one-way direction trade, and that's it, man. It's a boom, gone. And then Marshall is buying all their miners now. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Right. More than 100 Bitcoin ties to the Quadriga moved. So I don't have a lot of information on this, but that's a sketchy. We all know that Gerald uh, totally uh, pretended to be dead and, and now the coins are moving. Do, do you know any, any more information about this, Levera or Wiz? No, I mean, I, I, I saw some art news articles, but I don't have any inside info. I mean, I, I, I thought, yeah, basically either this guy faked his death or someone, some hacker got access to the coins after his death, this is the guy who died in like 2018 or 19 after he was like 30 years old. And I mean, you're, you're in Canada, so I guess you, you would know uh, <laughs> more about the Canadian Bitcoin scene at that time. I don't really, uh, I don't really follow news. Yeah. But basically it did emerge that he was doing a Ponzi. Like this was literally a fraud. Oh yeah, no, that AY, I know. Yeah. That part yeah, yeah. came out and you know, yeah. But uh, I guess, yeah, the coins are moving. And so obviously someone's someone's either got access to the keys or he faked his death. I mean, those seem like the only two outcomes. Did you watch that uh, Netflix documentary on the whole scam? No, I, I didn't. Oh, that was another scam. Was it Crypto Queen or something like this? It was like another scam. Yeah. No, it was about it was about uh, Quadriga. It was like a Netflix. Oh, there is one. Oh, I don't know that one. Okay, yeah, I, I want to watch it now. I knew him like. I, I met the guy, like, I mean, not a friend or anything, but like, I met the, like, he was a local, right? So I met the guy in many different sort of events and things. And it was funny because, so there was this old exchange called CA Vertex. And these were the good days, right? You show up with literally cash at the bank and you tell them to deposit in CA Vertex account using a, a very specific magical number so they could link the deposit to, to your account on the all legal. There was so much money flowing through that, that then the government said, oh, no, no, you cannot deposit cash into other people's bank accounts anymore. <laughs> and then uh, uh, tax I think, got hacked once, but not for everything. And then Quadriga launched, and I, if I remember right, they bought Quadriga and all the users from Quadriga. And I mean, and Quadriga had that look of like, whoa, you guys are way less sketchy, still very sketchy, but way <laughs> less sketchy than the previous exchange, right? In the early days, all exchanges were really sketchy. <laughs> So like, uh, yeah. so these guys were like at least wearing a suit and like, and they went public. This was a public company. They did a, a reverse IPO where they buy an indebted 
public company and use their ticker. So anyways, yeah, like it, it was, uh, I mean, everybody knew it was sketchy and that he was trading against the customers, but like nobody knew it was to this extent. Well, the more interesting thing about the the notes here that you wrote is um, that the, I guess the bankruptcy trustee transferred the Bitcoin into the, well, either compromised cold storage or, you know, depending on if you think he's faked his death or not, right? Like, why would the auditors do that? Well, I mean, like, you'd be surprised at how dumb, uh, like, some of the, the entities that handled the the, the trusting or, or, like, the, the custody of this stuff in midst of litigation. I, I've heard of a story of somebody giving a DVD with private keys to to the CRA, for example, uh, which is, like, the, the, the IRS uh, in Canada. Like, you know, like, th there is a lot of... Francis once paid... I think his taxes or or the company's taxes or, or something like, I can't remember, it was some deal with the CRA. He, he made it public uh, in an open dime. He just gave an open dime to the tax man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, here. <laughs> so like, that's that's pretty cool. And uh, But also like, imagine the chain of custody after that, right? Somebody has like private keys in their hands. <laughs> For people not seeing it, Wiz is shaking his head. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Yeah. <laughs> I don't own any Bitcoin, so I don't have that problem. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> HRF, Bitcoin Development Fund, awards $325,000 in new grants. I won't read each grant, but uh, it's very cool. There is a link on the show notes for it. Pals Orcs uh, launches the VC version of Drive Chains. Never going to happen. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, like, do, do you guys see a path in which we have a soft fork to accommodate drive chains? Absolutely fucking not. I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, and then does that mean the company is basically is contingent on a soft fork happening in Bitcoin? Yeah. Can you not pivot to use side chains? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, like maybe they okay. go like tarot style or some, but then it's not drive chain at all. I mean, like mm. pretty much the definition of the drive chain is the fact that you have the miners participating in it. So they might be able to convince a few miners to mine some of their crap, but like it's still not going to be integrated, right? Like if you don't have a soft fork or a hard fork, which would be the, the, the real way of doing it. I guess the problem down the line is when there is a soft fork, Paul Stock would want to try and add this into the soft fork. Oh, but people would say, no, no, we, don't, we didn't agree to that, you know? I, I, I find it like drive chains are very cool, but they have terrible incentives because they reward miners like directly and that's that's not good <laughs> and then you can go down that rabbit hole the link to his new company announcement is on the notes everything we talk about here has beautiful notes because now johnny makes my sketchy notes amazing notes thanks johnny last pass hacked yeah we talked about this one man <laughs> like the idea uh. of putting like listen for for websites that are like you know, whatever, you can change passwords anyways, and it's not a huge deal, fine, you know, like have a way to sync your passwords, but like, you know, putting private keys of any type in things like this, like it's kind of really dumb. A lot of people put like seeds in these things. They put like all kinds of Bitcoin sensitive material in it. Yeah, bad idea. 
I mean, it's a total honey pot. I mean, like it's like a massive target, right? Like, please come here and take this. Is it really so hard to memorize your passwords? I mean, like, you, you want recoverability, right? Like, I mean, I have a million passwords, but like, and you can reset them too, right? Like, if you forget, yeah. Like, what's the what's the real uh, advantage here? I don't get it. I fucking hate why websites ask me for passwords. Don't just use email. Like, you know, send me an email like to a, log in. You like a YubiKey or other UTF, you know, support. Uh, YubiKey is also pound. It was fully, fully pound. Pound? I, pound, pound. I can't. And I'm ESL. <laughs> <laughs> um, the yeah. good thing with the password managers is you can generate unique random yes. passwords and long random passwords. So, I mean, they are, if, they, if they were secure, they'd be very useful. <laughs> that's a that, big, that's uh, the problem. Uh, I don't know what the latest state is of this hack. Like, are, are all the passwords now just in the darknet now? I don't know. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, like, is it completely done? I, I, I don't know what the latest status is. I think I can't remember if it was like an issue with like how many rounds their stretching is done. So, like, if you have older accounts in them, which is probably all the good early adopters who have security that matters. You probably have a, a, a like not enough stretching, so it's very easy to break. And then the newer people is harder, but it's out there. You know, for again for website passwords, aside from the the, the privacy implications of all that, you could change the passwords. But you know, like yeah, password managers are a shitcoin, and passwords on websites are a shitcoin too. You know, if you are interested in in a very simple way of doing better password management for your website, go check out BitcoinTreasuries.net. The way you log in is you get an email. I don't want to hold passwords for you. So just, just an email and a token, you can get into your account. If people have your email, they can reset your password in most platforms anyway. So uh, it doesn't matter. And, and same for SMS. Neox isn't great to have, to have to go into your email account to log in every time you go into a website. It's not, it's not great UX, is it? To me, you know, it's easier than having to open a password manager. It's like autofill. Uh, autofills it. It recognizes the site you're on. So oh, that's another good thing with password managers is that um, the autofill. Like you if well autofill and also if you act, if you like go to the wrong website, like it won't autofill the password. Yeah, that that does help a little bit. So that's 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 good for like clicking on a link and email or something. But with the email, you get thrown into the website. Like you click on the link with the token, and boom, you're into the website. Should you really click on links and email though? <laughs> Well, I mean, if you, if you have like a whitelisted, right? Like if you have like uh, the email as a favorite, right? That sender, I, I think it's like, it's a reasonable, th there is no winning. I mean, like if you've just clicked, all these solutions are garbage. If, if you just gone to the website, clicked that you want to log in and then that email comes, that's a bit better than just clicking on yeah. a bunch of random links in your email. Yeah, that's exactly how it works. Because at least the timing, the timing, the timing is good. How about yeah. uh, UTF support in cold card? Can we, can we? Yeah, no, no. I am not going to let you connect the cold card to a fucking browser. Absolutely no way. No, <laughs> no. So we do have a cool thing though. Um, so we, we because of the BIP85, you can generate essentially BIP85 derived passwords that match the, the gibberish that websites need from cold card and cold card can emulate the keyboard via USB. So... You could inject in there if you wanted to. No, but I want that uh, U2F challenge response. Yeah, not going to happen. Like USB spec is an absolute cluster. Web off is cluster. 
U2F is a cluster. Maybe maybe one day we come up with a device that runs a separate firmware so that you literally can't use that cold card for Bitcoin. Or just have two cold cards. Yeah. But the problem is people get lazy. And that, that, that's how you get robbed, is when you get lazy. You're just too paternalistic. You need yes. A bit more bit more customer yes. knows best. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> the customer's always right. <laughs> like, fuck. <laughs> joking. Joking. No, cold card is designed for me. Like, okay? Like, for me, and it's going to be the way that, like, I, my brain needs it so that I don't screw myself out of my coins. Yeah, but it's a big business now. You've got to think, you've got to think yeah. beyond your needs. Yeah, nope. There is plenty, like, you know, Ledger Treasure out there for the people that, like, want to compromise, you know, their security. <laughs> they are filling that niche of the market with the wrong sets of trade-offs. <laughs> you know, there's only one way of doing this right, and we are the people who do it right. <laughs> See, opinionated ways of making software. Never on the protocol, only on the clients. <laughs> You know what I mean, right? Like when, you, when you're making software, the only way to think about it is I'm right, everybody's wrong. And that's why the software is going to be great. <laughs> and hopefully there is enough people out there who thinks exactly like you, so they use your product. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That's uh, <laughs> basically what uh, Mempool Space does also. Simon and I just have these very, very passionate arguments about where this pixel should be or what color it should be in, the result of that is always very high quality results, right? Because we're, we're making it for ourselves, right? Everybody yes. else is wrong. Yeah, no, <laughs> and it's not just wrong. It's abhorrently wrong. They shouldn't exist. And like, <laughs> you know, like you're throwing like darts at their pictures on, on like, you know, like it, it's funny, like certain kinds of client uh, software or devices they require that kind of like absolutist sort of like, like very intense opinionated view of the world so that it can achieve that experience, right? It has no room for your opinions. <laughs> Although like our users are great because they think exactly like us and they submit like the best feature requests. We're like, oh my God, that's perfect. This is exactly how I want to do this. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Uh, so yeah, don't use LastPass or any centralized. Uh, it's the same way that Offy. It's like it's like it's like the dumbest possible software service out there. It's like two-factor authentication on the cloud. Yeah, that <laughs> defeats the entire purpose of the second factor. It's so funny. I met the founder of that company after he sold it to, I don't know, it was Symantec or some bigger security company. Amazing, good for And him. I told him exactly that, what you just said. I was like, why the, you know, why would you code it like this? It's like, well, I already sold the company so I can <laughs> be honest with you now. Like, yeah. I remember having like, cause they, they showed up right around, uh, right after Gox, I think. And they were trying to sell to all the Bitcoin companies, including us, right? Like, why don't you guys use Off? I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, you know, Google Authenticator is free and is offline. It's kind of the whole point. Not anymore. Now Google Authenticator, like, lets you transfer it or whatever, right? But it's transferred, right, from device to device. There's still no cloud backup, I think. Ah, whatever. It's good enough. I mean, like, it, like you know, remember, right? Like the It is a second factor. It's cryptographic. Yeah, yeah I get it. 
And the Spooks also have remote access to your phone anyways, right? Like all the phones, including your Graphene Calyx OS, you know, all, all remote accessible by the Spooks. So like they love seeing like pictures of you from the front and from the back. So yeah, phones are compromised anyways. I, I feel like two-factor is essentially, uh, it's just a defense against bad guys that are not state actors because they would have to break into the websites to change like the tokens, right? If they didn't have the token. While state actors can just sort of like, you know, either put a gun in the guy's website and say, hey, change his token, or just let me enter the API, the you know, CIA API. <laughs> Everybody has an endpoint for that. It still, it still makes sense to use 2FA for yeah. other instructors. Exactly, so your, right? your point there was just use Google Authenticator rather than Authy, right? That, that's right. Yeah. A new Bitcoin-based encrypted chat platform has been announced uh, Hexum, whatever. No, uh, pointless. Just use Noster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Noster DMs are still, they're, they're private content, but not private social graphs. So be careful. Yeah. That metadata uh, is coming. quite scary to look at. Did you, did you? Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and also you, because it's public key pair, uh, key pairs, uh, anyone can send you a message, right? So, I mean, you know, technically everybody can just like pretend they're talk to somebody, but there won't be a reply. But also you don't know if there was a reply because it could have been in a different relay. So you can't prove a negative there. Gets gets tricky. There's going to be a lot of services that will be uh, private relays too, uh, I, I, I believe. Lightning res Privacy Research. Oh, that's a cool website. It was a uh, Max from uh, Wasabi who put that together, I think. Uh, there's a lot of good information about Lightning Privacy there. The website link is on the notes, but it's uh, lightningprivacy.com. Good domain. You're like domain name maximalist, I noticed. I like uh, scarce things. And uh, even though there's a lot of GTLDs are the domain shitcoins, I'm starting to have fun with those too now. You know, it's like Bitcoin.sucks. <laughs> How can you not want to own Bitcoin.sucks? <laughs> This pod is Bitcoin.review. After Ver uh, had the .com, I'm like, any Bitcoin domain I can buy and point to like decent stuff that is not like, you know, a complete ripoff, I'm going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm taking a gun off the street. I have Bitcoin.Kyoto and you actually have to have like an address in Kyoto. So like I rented a mailbox in Kyoto just so I could register that domain. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> But like well exactly done. like what you said, just to, to have it for an actual Bitcoin-related use case. Yeah. What other cool domain names do you have? Show off. No, no. I, I, I keep my lists private because it's more fun if people just like sort of like they see a tweet from me with a new domain. The, the latest one is uh, steak emoji, steak emoji dot WS. <laughs> That's a URL? Yes. No. Yes. You can Damn, type that okay. in the browser. I also have uh, iheartbitcoin.ws, I think, or .fm. I can't remember. Wow. Oh, okay. So if someone wants a Bitcoin domain, they should probably contact you in case you, you already own it, right? And then maybe that can be a negotiation. <laughs> that, that, that could be. We normally don't sell them. It's, okay. like, it's like just, just like a pit for like meme, meme websites. Stash and or huddle them. Exactly. Uh, one of my favorites is, um, is it NFTNGMI.org? 
Uh, it has a beautiful technical explanation of uh, why NFTs don't work and they're idiotic. Okay. At least 17% of Bitcoin Core version 24 listening nodes are running for RBF. So battle's over. All you needed was really 10% and a couple miners. So uh, good luck with zero conf. Breeze raises 4.5 mil. Nice. Congrats, Roy. Great wallet. Doing very cool things. I love the product. Yeah, I think Breeze is awesome. Really like what they're doing. We uh, did invest as part of Bitcoin Adventures. Um, but yeah, love what Roy's doing. How much do you invest? <laughs> well, Bitcoin Adventures <laughs> is like a syndicate. So each person is just putting in their own personal amounts. So yeah, we... Uh, like, we want an address yeah. on the... We want a transaction. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, only it's a very, very small amount from my side, but um, I think we got a, you know, maybe a couple hundred thousand as an allocation for all of the syndicate uh, investors to go in with it. Cool. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, now that Bitcoin is dead, you're going to need to find uh, your investment returns from something else like Bitcoin companies. Wait, but Bitcoin is dead. <laughs> Cashew BTC, uh, Kali, uh, is now available via LN Bits. That's a super cool little project, you know. It's a Chaomian eCash. But what's cool about this one is that anyone can start a mint and it uses Lightning as a way to, to buy the Chaomian eCash tokens. I find it like sort of like a perfect little layer for you to have a account of people's money in a system that you wouldn't have Lightning or Bitcoin. So like, say for example, um, I don't know, like some miles program or like some stupid thing where like right now you have an IOU. Instead of like a pure IOU, you can just use this thing instead and then people can at least trade it uh, and use Lightning for you to get in and out. It's kind of like a palatable version of a shitcoin in my view. I kind of got in an argument with uh, Roy at the last episode about the validity of, uh, of eCash. You guys have any opinions about eCash? I wonder, is it like premature scaling, right? Like are we, you know, is it just better to just get everyone on Bitcoin or in Lightning now while we're, well, you know, and you know what, but I, at the same time, I could see a use for it. Like maybe if you can onboard somebody who otherwise wouldn't be able to, I don't know, but uh, yeah, my preference is at least where we are today, I'd rather onboard someone just directly self-custody, self-custodial. Self so that's kind of where it's at. Oh yeah, no, I agree. But I don't think, I don't think that's the target market. Like I, like, I think the people who are going to be using this are either sort of like websites who were using IOUs before or so instead of a database, right? Gotcha. Yeah. Or you and, and they need the capacity of issuing more, right? Like they have to be able to debase essentially or like people who are economically too poor for Lightning and Bitcoin, right? Uh, so like, say, for example, you have like a, you know, like you're going all the way to it's like poor cell phone service, like little village. Uh, you know, like you can have somebody be the mint and offer credit to people who literally have no money. So it's not like they can't even buy Bitcoin, right? So they can use that as their own sort of like mint and sort of peg it back to, to Lightning and sort of do that kind of stuff. Uh, another cool thing is like, you know, like maybe, I don't know, like a school wants to have their own thing. Uh, it's better than shit coins. Let's put it this way. That, that's how I like to like to frame it. <laughs> it's a way better, more honest way of doing a shit coin with actual purpose. 
Yeah, it's just on Stefan's point, it's just a case of like whether we exhaust what can happen on Lightning first before we take some of these like less trust minimized solutions like more seriously. I don't know. I don't know. Well, what the, the cool thing is, is full privacy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so there is full privacy, right? Because it is a Chalmian eCash sort of solution. I think it's much better than Fedi. Sorry, Justin, because like, you know, there is no federation. There is no like, you know, like it's just the issuer is the issuer. You don't need to use the Fedi federation. Uh, so it's more trusted. You're, you're putting all your faith in one party. Yeah, but right, that's, I think that's the trust model for this kind of stuff anyways. Because otherwise just jump to lightning, right? Like if you need less trust, then like just go straight to lightning because you probably have like more money at stake. And if you're the village guy or the school guy that rug pulls everybody, you're going to probably get like murdered. So, um, <laughs> you know, like... Well, maybe if they build up a big enough balance and, you know, go yeah. to some tropical island. <laughs> I don't no, know. No, you go to India to do charity and then you have uh, Crohn's disease death and then uh, Quadriga money is gone, right? It's going to be uh, lots of little SPFs running around. That's right. <laughs> Damn. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that kind of money is the target market for this this one. Uh, yeah. Oh, another cool thing too is that it's less complex, right? Because you don't have the all the lightning sort of needs, right? There's no channel stuff. There's no just like, it just is. And they're using now in Oster too. <laughs> so you can use your Noster keys to to <laughs> receive your, uh, to receive your, uh, uh, your cashew. Anyways, it's cool to see different stuff being worked on. Ecash is a huge part of Bitcoin's history. Yeah, fair point. Paxful delists ETH. Yeah, that's great. Portion of Bitcoin supply held by retail investors reaches all-time high. Glassnode, cool. Oh, uh, yeah. So if you're looking for your NIP5 uh, guide on how to have your own uh, DNS-based ID on Noster, go on my little website. There is a guide there so you can have your instead of using a, a pub key. Andre has set up a, a little nice guide on how to set up your own relay. Uh, Wiz, which, uh, which relay software are you using for uh, Noster? You know, I started out running the TypeScript one because it uses Redis and uh, PostgreSQL. Um, but there was some issue with it, and then I tried the Rust implementation and so I'm using the Rust implementation now but now that I'm like one of the hard-coded relays in Damas I'm <laughs> like screwed yeah I'm like and the relay is like crushed I'm like oh fuck now I gotta switch back to the other one to be more performant so yeah I literally like right after this uh pod I'm gonna work on that so the Rust one is that SQLite or something like that exactly it's it's SQLite uh, yeah, so well if you have lots of RAM on the File but then it's, RAM is where they get you at the VPS. But but you're running your own silicon there, right? Like your own metal. Well, it's not my own silicon ASIC chips, but yeah, Sorry, it's my own bare metal server. Metal. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't run uh, a virtual server for the for the relay. I figured it would need more beefy horsepower. And yeah, it's really it's just memory. Like I don't think you need a lot of pro, like CPU power on this, do you? Yeah, you'd be surprised. I, I think it's yeah. doing something with the PubSub uh, WebSocket oh, stuff right. that's not, um, you know, right. good time complexity. There's some N log N in there somewhere. Right. I don't know. But, uh, well, you know, this is a, you know, the, the way you resolve server problems is more money. 
Uh, <laughs> you know, that's why the VPS is great. More RAM, more RAM, more RAM, credit card, more RAM. <laughs> cool. I, I think they're uh, they're reworking the one of the 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 relays to to do better. I think to move to to like a, a better setup with Postgres. I don't yeah. know. I saw some noise around that. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Wasi cryptography API proposal. I don't know what this one is about. Uh, this document describes Wasi crypto uh, set of APIs that runtime can expose a web assembly uh, modules to perform cryptographic operations. Yeah. Uh, web assembly and stuff. Screw the browser. Just build clients. Like, just like, like real man, you know, build an actual executable. Kids these days don't like to do that. They just like to have. They like to ship the browser as a, as like an Electron app. I know it's that's what. And uh, then oh, you you works on every platform, but it uses you know three gigabytes of RAM just to. No, I mean just a, just a like just a CSS on it. Like you know, it's like th th there is like ten megabytes of just JavaScript, and then there is another like and and it calls every possible dependency that exists to man into your computer in runtime. <laughs> now you stick your private keys on it. <laughs> NPM hell. Yeah, it's uh, but you know, gotta give it to them. Like they are able to ship stuff. All right, MicroStrategy just bought some Bitcoin. More Bitcoin. There was some rumors that they were uh, tax harvesting or selling some Bitcoin. Turns out that uh, they just bought more. Those guys are going to turn into an ETF in the future. If your FUD model includes them selling, I don't think you understand uh, these things. Noster Corner. Johnny, that's a fun name for this. Uh, we've mixed it in, but that's a good one. So uh, yeah, Jack gave 14 Bitcoin to them. Very cool. Uh, we've already talked about a bunch of this stuff, and uh, Twitter announces the policy. Yeah, that was great. They deleted it. They deleted the tweet after that. Well, that's it, guys. We've reached peak boredom, peak least. We didn't even get into uh, uh, Bitcoin uh, Optech list, because that would be just another hour <laughs> of Socratic uh, hell in a good way. So uh, audience questions. Is it possible or advisable to use the Lightning Network for coin mixing yeah is it no complicated not quite there yet <laughs> yeah not really i mean it's great to spend with some privacy and maybe in the future like if yeah, like splicing happen. happens and there's some of those future privacy improvements may maybe then it kind of works but like it's not it's not really private right now like in terms of yeah. like as a mixer i wouldn't treat it like that's that, right you know? lightning can actually dox your you know your whole wallet if you aren't careful about it. Like if someone gets your node pub key and you just put that into an explorer and now you see all of their channels and now you see all of their UTXOs and yeah, lightning can hurt your privacy. Yeah. If you're not, yeah, careful. True. Right. Okay. So did, did we miss any software updates or anything, anything on core, Michael, that like maybe picked your interest that we might have not mentioned? Uh, I, being honest, I have not been paying too much attention after the RBF stuff. I kind of like made the the list, the mailing list muted and I haven't unmuted it yet. So uh, yeah, anything we should uh, mention? There's a lot of smaller items. I think the, the, the one that every, yeah, the one that everyone was discussing was the mempool 
full RBF thing. And Peter Todd released a client where you could peer uh, with other nodes that also have that flag switched on, mm-hmm. just so that as I can add it. I mean, that's what, what I expect will happen is the default will get changed at some point in the future uh, in core. Uh, and so the more people that have already changed the option, I suppose, or, or appearing with other nodes that have that option turned on, I think there'd be a stronger case to turn that default on. But I could be totally wrong. Maybe maybe the default will stay the same forever. Yeah, I, I feel like the cat is out of the bag already, right? I mean, like, there was a 10, 20% of the nodes having it on, it already looks from the outside not on node as if all the nodes are on, like, or enough. Like, you can't, the visibility from the network, it looks like most of the network is now on. So as long as the miners, like, you have a couple of miners in as well, like, you're done, right? I mean, like, because you can no, no longer rely because it just, it looks like it's all on. When that default is changed, do we have do we have another three months of mailing list nonsense? Uh, when, like, massive PRs? <laughs> You'd be kind of silly if they made a big deal because we don't even need on anymore. Like, it's just, it's just there is enough people running it on. It will, the network will behave as if it was on. That's you know, that's what I think, but I don't know. Yeah. There's been a lot of a lot of noise. Yes, that was uh, that was something. Uh, <laughs> okay, so yeah, so so if that's uh, if that's all we have, um, why don't we do a, a round of like uh, final thoughts and things you guys want uh, people to know, Shill, where to find you guys, and uh, projects you're working on. Uh, so, Livera. Yeah, so I mean, I think it's it's cool to see all this development still happening right now. Arguably, we're in the depths of the bear market, um, you know. So we're kind of end of the year. I'm expecting, you know, next year to be a, a good one for stacking sats. And uh, yeah, just keep keep uh, keep it up on that. And yeah, anyone who wants to find me, if you're this far in, stefanlevera.com is where you can find me. Cool. Thank you, Levera. Thanks for coming, Wiz. Yeah, it's, uh, I guess it's the middle of the bear market. So it's a very nice time to build things. And uh, we've got the Nostra community popping up now. And it, it just feels like a lot of that crypto shitcoin noise is just gone now. And it's, you can just focus on building. And uh, it's great. But yeah, check out uh, mempool.space and wiz.biz is my personal website. And uh, yeah. Come find me on Nostra. I like Wiz.biz, it rhymes. So Wiz, uh, how did you, did you get the, the mempool uh, sats cards in hand? Did they get to you yet? They're, I'm, I'm, I'm at my country home uh, oh, okay. right now and the, they're in Tokyo. So I'll get them in like a week when I go back into okay. the office. But yeah. I, I still haven't got mine in hand. Folks were too busy with Black Friday. So I, I was trying to be uh, gentle. Please don't program these yet and ship everything out. Yeah, I can't wait to uh, to start handing them out to friends. And uh... we got to do another design. They look too awesome. <laughs> Michael, any final thoughts? And uh, people find you and all that good stuff. I'm in Israel currently. I'm discussing fundraising for a startup. I'll contact Stefan because he'll. I'm sure he'll have a big. Uh, Chunky offer waiting for me. Um, nice. Yeah. He writes checks uh, on air. I've seen it before. <laughs> what else? Uh, there's a couple of conferences I'm looking forward to early next year. So there's Advancing Bitcoin in London that should be really good. It's always, every year it's really good and developer technical focused. And then there's Lightning Conference the month after. 
Uh, so we're talking, what, February, March next year? Um, so, yeah, I think those two conferences will be really cool. Hopefully they'll be as good as previous years, if not better. Cool. Uh, we do track uh, Bitcoin conferences and events on uh, bitcoinevents.org. Yeah, we have the domain. You have all the domains. Every domain is owned by MVK. <laughs> what one a shock. <laughs> if there is one math I don't do is uh, how much Bitcoin could have been bought through the years if domains oh, were not yeah. bought. Yeah, just don't do that math. Everybody needs, uh, you know, it's a much better shitcoin to have a hobby with than an actual shitcoin, you know? <laughs> These days, I've just, I just been collecting like uh, typos like memepool.space or mempoo.space. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, those are important to own. Uh, people will uh, do evil things. Listen, guys, thank you so much. Uh, this, was, this was pretty awesome. I think we managed to provide people with a little bit of value and content <laughs> with some meat. And we did probably manage to bore people to death, which is the, the true goal of this pod. So um, thank you so much. You guys have an awesome day. Awesome. See you guys. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Adios. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow at Bitcoin Review HQ or get in touch on Telegram, Bitcoin Review Pod, or Bitcoin Review at CoinKite.com. We don't have a crystal ball, so let us know about your projects. Leave your boostagram on this episode and we'll try to read it on the next episode. If you don't know much about Value for Value or Bitcoin Podcast 2.0, go to bitcoin.review slash v4v. Mm-hmm.